Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. I'm Joey Police. And this week, gentlemen, I want to get up all in your business. Okay, because <laughs> we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial stuff, being entrepreneurs, starting businesses, running businesses, being a business. And uh, yeah. whose idea was this? Was it Rafti or, or Joe? It was it was. Was it Matt? Matt, was it, it yours? Was my idea. Yeah. Was it, it your was, idea? It was, the one I'm not going to give credit to. <laughs> Matt, I, I think this is a really good idea. Um, and, it and was. I think uh, we've, we've talked on it past is. episodes, we've delved deeply into Rafti's uh, company, Safing, and their uh, inception and, and implementation. And and that was fascinating. And, and um, I think... Uh, Matt was absolutely correct. You you came up with this idea. You said maybe a lot of IT practitioners, as they're getting to be senior uh, practitioners with some management experience, might want to go this route and that we should cover it. Is Was that the idea pretty much? Yeah, yeah. They, because uh, I, I know when I was cutting my teeth back in the 90s in corporate world, all of my colleagues in IT, we all had the dream of, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great to just start your own business and get out of this rat race and get out of the cubicle and um, make so much more money? Because we would see what the consultants were making. We, we would see, you know, e- even as contractors ourselves, what our parent companies were billing these companies for our time. And then what we were then netting <laughs> in our in our take home and, and how much less that was. So yeah, it always came down to money, but also just that freedom to be your own boss. And so um that was the the uh, I, I guess the linchpin or or the, uh, the 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 spark that got me to start my own company back in two thousand. Um, so I've been at it for a while, but but we we all here own companies. All or, well, I, I don't know that Rafi actually owns his company, but he's the CEO and he you're, you're a senior partner, senior management, and and you you and been co-founder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so we all have experience with entrepreneurship. Gosh, that's a terrible word, entrepreneurship. I know it really does not work. Yeah. <laughs> So I, so I just thought it would be interesting to see, you know, especially from like a techie perspective, because we all have technical geeky backgrounds. We all, but, but we've also all made this jump into business, business ship, uh, ownerships, management type stuff. And so I know that there's got to be lots of other people out there, maybe even some that listen to this podcast that might be thinking about it or, or have had an idea of doing it. Let's just talk about our experiences having done it. Outstanding. Outstanding. And, and so uh, let's start with you then, Matt. How's that dream coming of doing less work and getting paid more? How, how's that working out for you? <laughs> the joke is I went from having one boss to having 300 bosses. <laughs> uh, no, but my, I, I think it's expound, expound on that. Drill down on that. For, the, well, for those who are in the trenches today, you know, earning a paycheck, what do you actually mean when you're saying that? And I don't I mean, mean dumb it down. I mean, explain to me like <laughs> I'm either an IT tech or an eight-year-old because they're about emotionally equivalent. <laughs> Right. So when you're an employee working for a company, big or small, you have a boss and that boss is who gives you uh, the, you know, your, your marching orders, your day to day 
tasks and stuff like that. When you're out on your own, you're a consultant. Yeah, you don't have a boss per se. I own my own company. You guys all own your own companies. I don't have anybody that I answer to except for the client. The customer is who, who is now my boss. And however many customers or clients that you have, they effectively dictate your 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 time management and and so that's why i said you know you go from having one boss to having 300 or however many clients that you have because all of a sudden and joey can speak to this as well we get calls in the middle of the night we get calls on weekends we have to you know remote in at 5 a.m to do stuff because it's all in, in in the name of the job and providing good service but there's also the benefit of it in that yeah, we, 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 we do still call our own shots when it comes to actually running the business and whether we want to take the calls, whether we want to take on the clients and their, their headaches and stuff like that. Uh, on a previous episode, we talked about troublesome clientele. You and I, Matt, I think was, yeah. was the show. And, and we talked about the joy of firing asshole clients <laughs> yeah. and, and how we rarely get to do that, but that is sometimes necessary. Um, I want to ask you, is, do you find, and I'm, I'm going to expand it to both Rafti and Joey in a second, but do you find the 80-20 rule is very much in effect? And, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase an old, uh, Yiddish saying, which is the can with the least coins rattles the most, meaning <laughs> that your clients who are the most ridiculous, they consume a larger proportion of your time than your clients who have their shit together. Is that, do you find that to be true? Right, right. Yeah. And I think when you say 80-20 rule, you're, you're meaning you're spending 80% of your time chasing that 20% of your annual revenue. <laughs> because or, or of it. you're spending 80% of your time dealing with the 20% of your noisiest clients right. who are the most difficult to manage. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, one fifth of your, one out of every five of your clients is actually responsible for four out four fifths of your of your time during the day. Yeah, that 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 certainly can happen, and that certainly what is what you know leads you to maybe rethink or renegotiate your contract with a certain client because they are having those types of issues, or or maybe the payment structure isn't quite set up right or something like that. But yeah, it's um it, it's not a hard and fast rule, but uh, yeah, it's certainly certainly one that's there. Joey, do you find the same thing in your practice now? And you do very much the same thing as Matt, Matt minus the forensic stuff. You do IT and networking correct. consulting, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Matt, Matt has been, um, my go-to for the past two and a half years now, since I've been in business on my own, I was corporate for 22 years. Um, and then went out on my own, but to answer your question, yes. I have found that the ones that are less likely or more um, restrictive with funding to put into their technology and security are the most high maintenance individuals versus the ones that actually say, we know how important it is. It literally is the backbone of our organization. Therefore, we trust you. We, here's our, you know, here's a, a, a healthy budget and they don't question they just say do what needs to be done and those are the those are the clients that i have found and and matt will probably agree run the smoothest and we do what we need to do in order to get the job done rafi yep. now yours is a little bit different because your customer base is very similar to mine where it's the end user who's the customer i don't think you have any corporate or organizational clients as no. yet do you okay um no, no. do you now, before I share my own experience, do you experience that where you get this one out of a hundred user 
who just, they think they know better than you and they want to tell you everything you're doing wrong. And and I think we talked about this in the training episode too, where you got that Doug at the front of the room who's just going <laughs> to you know pounce on your every. Do you get that from your user community? And your user community is rabid. The privacy people are serious. So do you see that at all? Yeah, no. So um, maybe to to pull down the curtain, we have a couple hundred thousand downloads. Uh, we don't know, um, like we don't track our users, so we don't know a lot about them. Um, well, of course, we know how many customers we have because they pay us. They paid. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they paid. If, even if they paid with crypto, of course, we know that's at least one. <laughs> one, one guy who's paying for it monthly or like yearly. Um, I'd say we have less than 20%. Um, it f- sometimes feels like it. Less than that 20% there are paid some... versus... Uh... No, no, no. 20% um, of, the, of the paid customers who I actually know talk oh. like raising issues. I think it's actually... less than 20 but some of them, like actually, like when when I see them uh, creating a ticket, and it and I see that's that one person like having six, seven, eight open tickets, and I'm like, and and complaining about stuff, and I'm like, the font is too small. No, no, but yeah. <laughs> for real, like and complaining, and then telling me how crap our product is, and I'm like, I don't like. You're the first person who told me that this that this does not work. And then, and then, of course, like because um, we're providing a service to techy people, um, usually their system is already very like configured and very like personal, you know. And so, um, and I'm like, I, I on my like virtual machine, freshly set up. Everything works like expected. I don't know what you did to your like install. I don't know what like accompanying software you have there as well. But typically, it's those people uh, who who have like already five things which all do the same thing, and then they try to lob on the sixth with our software. And I'm like, okay. And what we actually started now is we enforce a more like that priority and the community support thing. So uh, we already set this on our homepage, and we now charge for priority support. And I am feel more at liberty to ignore people who don't pay us anything. So <laughs> you don't um, feel guilty yeah. about it at all. No, you don't feel like no. you're neglecting your customer base. You don't no. feel like you're going through a moral lapse of not handling with kid gloves each and every user. Yeah, yeah. And we already had, I, I think, at least one, but maybe two haters, um, like somebody who who was a customer and um, who wanted his money back half a year after he paid us, you know? And and he's like, oh no, and this is my right. And I and I'm actually, I'm allowed to get my money back. And he actually went through like uh, European customer like protection. And, and I made yeah. sure that this agency tells him, you're not, you're not allowed, like we are in the right. You don't get any money back. You don't have any right for it. And oh, then so I didn't him give him anything money. back. No, no, I gave him everything back, but oh, okay. after they told him he has okay. no right. Oh, and good, then he's very, very thankful and very like, and because I like our people, I like the privacy community, but if they treat me like shit, I sometimes I'm like, okay. <laughs> just like, if you've ever waited tables, you have that one customer that comes in, eats 98% of the meal and is like, you know what? This steak was cold. Take it back. I'm not paying for it. You know, it's just... You're going to have people like that. You're never going to please them. They're always going to want something for free. And yeah, I think Rafti, that's good. Get rid of them. 
Keep your here's your money. <laughs> I don't want you. Okay. All right. Now I'm gonna give just a, a friendly little counterpoint to that. Um, uh, when you sign up for the wannabe a recorded courses or questions, it's a record it's a recurring subscription that's auto pay, and. I have run into situations where people did not realize that it was auto pay until after the payment went through. And I understand that. And, and then they call me, you know, they, they send me the email and they're upset. And, and I obviously refund them. I had somebody do that after three payments. So like, and I think it was 60 days, it was like six months. So it was like, it was like a, the same kind of situation you were going through. And, and for a brief moment, I considered just, telling him either, look, you've had it for six months. Uh, obviously, you didn't notice the payments before, so I'm going to keep your money. Or I considered of the three payments, I'll refund the most recent one. Yeah. But but I just kind of smiled and I refunded all three. And I said, you know, it's not worth the hassle. And thank you for coming. And please tell all your friends about Wannabea, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and there is value to doing stuff like that, where it, it, it this gets off of your mind and, and the customer is happy again. And, it, you know, I don't know how much the money, how much money it was, but it was probably a trivial amount compared to. Hey, you know, hey that was a Nintendo <laughs> switch that I was I was going to buy. So, you know. <laughs> Oh no! Now you can't afford a switch. Now I can't oh. afford my switch until maybe three months from now. <laughs> but yeah, there, there there is value to just you know write, writing it off and and being like, okay, that was that's money out of my pocket as the person who was providing the service. But it was also worth that for me to learn from this experience. And and I've had lots of those experiences where I've been like, okay, I yeah, I, th this is what it cost for me to 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 learn. Uh, of, of what this uh, situation was and how not to get myself into this situation again in the future or how to handle it differently in the future. I just want to talk about Rafti's haters real quick. One, one of the avenues I have used to distribute the product is Udemy. And Udemy allows the learner to put a rating in, a five, you know, one to five stars or zero to five stars after they've completed the course, which is nice. That way you don't have someone who watches five minutes and says the steak is too cold, right? Um, and then they have uh, a set of uh, six different feedback points that they can check or not check. Valuable information, helpful practice activities, clear explanations, accurate course description, engaging delivery, and knowledgeable instructor. The ones I love, and, and I had to stop looking at this every, the first few weeks, I'm looking at it every day and I want to see the feedback and how many people. The ones I love, they check all six. They say, yes, all of those things, knowledgeable instructor, engaging delivery, three and a half stars. <laughs> what, am I, what am I missing? What could have been the fourth and fifth star? What, what is it that you wanted? Did you want me to come to your house and take the test for you? I mean, you know. Uh, again, again, it's back to there's ne they're never going to rate anything at five if the five is the highest number. They're never going to do that. You know, it's never good enough. Yep. Mm -hmm. I feel and, sorry you for and you can't chase those. You cannot hunt those. Down. You cannot, you know, it, it, like Rafti was saying, you, you there's nothing you're going to do to satisfy them. There's 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 no there's no upside to doing so. All right. Let yeah. me ask you another business question. Um, kind of steering away from the problem, children. Um, have you ever compromised your delivery business model or principles? for a specific customer who asked for a certain kind of delivery or a certain methodology. I'll go ahead. I'll start with Matt again. 
Um, there, I, I think that's probably the closest analog in in our business would be like if someone said, "Oh, can you take credit cards?" Well, no, I've been operating business for twenty some years, and it's, it's always you know either write me a check or give me cash. <laughs> I, I don't do credit cards. And Joe and I had this conversation just recently. He had a, a client who asked him if they could do credit cards, but um, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of what you're, I, I think the the spirit of your question is. Uh, no, no, that's a good one. That's actually what I was talking about. That's the okay, sort of okay. thing. Now, if a client came to you and said, we're a quarter million dollar business, we only do business through our credit card because that's our accounting practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking quarter million dollars of IT business for you per year, not their okay. quarter million dollar business. Uh, would you bend over we'll to happily take that? credit cards? Yeah, <laughs> I would happily take credit cards. There you go. Okay, see. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Obviously, that it's it's different if it's somebody who's who's paying you for one hour versus a quarter of a million dollars a year. Uh, yeah, I think you, you'll make a lot of adjustments to your business model for that type of work. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, you know, Joey and I charge you know a couple of hundred bucks an hour. You know, so if it's just one hour of work, it's not no, worth it for you to go that. through the. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there, there's a lot of setup you know, on top of you know all the back end stuff, all the all the business stuff that I would have to do to set that up for that one single payment of a couple of hundred bucks. No, it's not worth it at all. No, sorry, write me a check or or find somebody else. Joey, you've yeah, already, I think you've already given your feeling on this. <laughs> and and even now, like with QuickBooks Online or whatever payment processor you, or up. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, financial program you use, they have hooks into all that, but I don't want to give the money away. There's too much, there's too much in fees that are lost. So like Matt's saying, the small stuff, nah, it's not worth it. Rafti, how about you? Now, mm-hmm. I think you've kind of answered this question on a previous show. Uh, uh, venture capitalists or angel investors wanted to offer you money for a piece of your action and you had to turn them down because you were afraid that at some point in the future, they would compromise the principles of safing and the customer information. Is there yeah. anything else that you have compromised on that you feel good about, that you feel okay with? <laughs> I I don't know. Like, I actually would cannot say. Like, when you were all talking about like, oh, maybe, maybe one, because we're talking about payments. Uh, we wanted to sort of like do every payment system the most private that we could. And so we thought for like half a year uh, about implementing credit card, a credit card system ourselves where we would like have deals with different banks and stuff and were a- would have been able to accept credit cards ourselves. Like with some intermediary in between, of course, because we would not want to have all the compliance stuff. That sounds um, really complicated. And it like, is. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so what we law with the know your customer bullshit. That's really absolutely. awkward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with chargeback fees and everything, like yeah. we compromised and went with Stripe uh, because it's easy. And so what we decided on, and it, I think it's a small compromise, but what we said is if you ha- are paying us with credit card in the first place, you know what you're into. You know, you're giving us your your name. And either you already have like privacy.com or something where you have like, uh, or pay, like get your credit, but that's on the credit card or something, but that's on the customer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So instead of us trying to do everything we can, because we already implemented crypto ourselves, you know, I think our crypto payment cost us 60,000 euros or something like that, because we built it in house, would not do it again, would not recommend anybody (laughs) to do this. Yeah, I know. I know. It was like, 
yeah, no, <laughs> it was one full-time developer for a year and a second one uh, doing reviews and stuff. So I, I'd say it's about 60K um, euros. No, no, it was way too expensive. Would not recommend maybe a tip here for everybody starting a business. Uh, don't do everything yourself. Uh, but now, of course, um, like I'm thinking of maybe selling this. We we built this. <laughs> yeah, that's very great. Cool now thing. you have another product that you didn't know. know. That may end up being the killer app. Not oh, yeah. the actual <laughs> portmaster itself, you know. That's uh... you're, you're, like, like, um, I think, um, what was it? Slack was actually a chat in a video game or something like that, and now it's a very successful business. Like AWS <laughs> was about the extra servers they had for selling the books each year at Amazon.com to yeah, handle yeah. the the holiday um, spike of customer traffic. I, yeah. I, it's amazing. It's utterly amazing. Um, mine is, uh, it's, this one's not a payment thing, uh, uh, strangely enough. I had a customer come to me and said they wanted a five-day class. And I purposefully created Wannabea to get away from the five-day, 40-hour model because I don't believe adults, first of all, have 40 hours in a week to give up away from their life and work and job. Second of all, I don't believe anyone can focus for 40 fucking hours because it just becomes mundane. And by Wednesday afternoon, your brain's leaking out your left ear. So I, I tried to explain this to the customer. I tried to explain this and said, look, you know, I can do that. But first of all, I'd have to add more bloat back into the content because it's not designed that way. It's meant to be concise. Second of all, I don't think it's optimized for your purposes of passing the certification test. And the customer said, yes, but we have uh, 10 students and we're willing, willing to pay your full in-person price. And I said, you want 40 or 50 hours? <laughs> so, so, I'll make yeah. it as long as you want, man. <laughs> In other words, money talks. <laughs> money talks. Money. I think, and I think that's the culmination of what we've all discussed here. Um, and and it's funny. I, I want to touch on you know both what Joey and Matt were saying, and, and Rafty, what you were saying about not wanting to give away the fees. I I've run previous businesses. I've run previous businesses into the ground, and and um, I remember the pain in the old days, pre-internet, pre-Stripe of setting up a credit card um, uh, service, the, the evil, nasty, underhanded, secretive methodology that they use to sign you up and lock you into these ugly contracts. At the end, when the business was already dead and gone, I was still paying that damn credit card processor for like four months afterwards because I was locked into this shitty contract. Um, oh, wow. It was just wow. terrible. It was just terrible. Today... I happen to think something like Stripe is uh, really reasonable. Yeah, the, it the, works. Yeah, the fees it works. The fees are are low enough where I don't really feel a huge bite. Uh, it's convenient as hell, Joey. You, it works. You plug it mm -hmm. in and it goes. And everybody yeah, a lot knows of my web how clients to use it. Yeah, yeah, and it scales even for the low price. You know, uh, most of what I'm selling is twenty dollars a pop. And even at that rate, I'm still doing okay. And Stripe feels comfortable with their thing. I get reports. I get uh, payments every other day. I get, you know, at the end of the month, they give me the tally sheet and I can do my taxes at the end of the year. It's it's simple and straightforward. I'm not doing this as a magic advertisement for Stripe. What I'm saying is the technology has lifted finance for small business into a place where it's a lot more accessible. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Matt, can... or, uh, uh, Ben, I want to go back to what you were saying about the comment you made to uh, the client where you didn't uh, you didn't fundamentally agree with the model of the 40 hour the the boot camp type session but the client was basically dangling the carrot hey we're going to pay your full freight this is what we want and you're like okay do you want 40 50 hours which i completely get and matt and i've had this conversation last year i had a client approach me and dangle a very big carrot in front of me um for a very small uh a window of of work and I was very excited about it. I thought, yeah, this is a great opportunity. I can really, I can really help. We can, we can, we can do everything from security to, to staging and uh, a department. And, and it was a big project. Two weeks in, even though they were paying a very um, attractive fee for this work, the work itself became unappreciative arduous um it became we no longer want you to do this we now want you to do this you know so it was kind of and, a false flag when they recruited you well i don't think they intended not intention not intentionally but right, they didn't right. know what it was they were asking for the, the, right exactly and matt and i've had the discussion that it's so important that what we do now i'm, I'm not speaking for rafti or you ben but what matt and i do because we work daily together is to have the customers that realize that what you are bringing to the table is a sense of value and that you are doing more than just turning a screw and i'm not trying to marginalize that i'm just saying we we are bringing a a, a product and a value to their businesses and their organizations where we are seen more as partners and we have to have this and we trust and we uh, you know want you guys to 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 do this work versus Here's your check. Go in here and do this, da, 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 and I don't care about you. I want to drill down on this. I think this is super important because I think this is one of the lessons that as experienced entrepreneurs, uh, we, we can speak to to help that next generation of folks who are going to start their own businesses. Tell me if you think I'm wrong and then share an experience if you think I'm right. Getting a client isn't the most important object of selling something. Scoping the client's needs is far more important because it leads to pricing, uh, project management, and work breakdown. Oh yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah, the I mean, yeah, it, uh, th th there's no value in having a list of of you know dozens or hundreds of clients if none of them realize who you are and what you bring to the table. And to to what Joey was saying, we it's uh, it, it's a very negative. Thing when we perceive that we are being treated as employees instead of as uh, uh, e equals, you know, people who are helping drive the the business. Um, but yeah, uh, scoping the uh, project, you know, making sure that everybody is on board, making sure that everybody realizes the value. Because a lot of the the reason that Joey and I make money with what we do is because we provide value, not because we are just warm bodies that sit in chairs at meetings and stuff like that we, we you know we can make appreciable changes to a company and and help them be more secure help them achieve whatever technology goals they, they have and stuff like that so yeah scope you know laying it all out initially and then sticking to that scope you know, and of course the, you know everybody has scope creep and things change over time especially as a relationship gets into say years or even decades i've got some clients that i've had for uh well over 15 16 17 years obviously the scope changes a little bit because the company itself that you're helping changes as well 
but uh, as long as they continue to see that value and, and continue to see you as you know someone who's there to help them and not as somebody that they can just show a, uh, shove a check at and say, go go shovel shit, go clean my sidewalks, go scrub my toilets for me. I'm paying you. <laughs> Do what I say. No, that's not the way this works. Rafti, now your scope is a little different. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe that is a lesson we learned very because you're ta- when we talk about scope and we're developing a product, I think the topic of minimal viable product comes up a lot. And, there you go, uh, what, and, and that's what I and I think that piggybacks well on your crypto payment thing, where you thought you oh, could yeah. do everything, soup to nuts, the whole vertical yeah. integration all in one safing Austrian package, all your Australians <laughs> together. Did you realize that working focused is going to be more beneficial than spreading all your efforts? I think we realized that fairly soon when we decided to ditch one of our three products and uh, reduce the scope to only be on Linux and Windows. I mean, it's already two operating systems. And now every time somebody asks, like, can we do a different language? And of course, most of us are native in German. We could do a German version, like, <laughs> but we don't. Like, we don't. Even it would, be so, it would be so easy for us, but we don't because it's like, we don't want to maintain the same app in two languages. Like every button needs a different size of all of a sudden, you know? And stuff like that but so um i think like with everything and I, I think the crypto thing is is maybe not the best example here because we actually wanted to offer crypto and we actually did not we wanted to, to like have the private payment method as private as possible so we wanted to to at least have something where we like know the ins and outs but i think with our core product and on its own we would build it differently today and um, what I would encourage people is like, I think this is a is a matter of you can hear it as often like as you want. You need to experience it a little bit as well. And I don't know how you can do this without like investing as much money as we did. <laughs> I think I think you could. <laughs> but like MVP, you need to feel it a little bit. Like what what is actually, actually, actually the minimum you would need to actually like have a product that's viable, you know? Something that you feel good about selling to a customer that they're going to see as valuable for the price they're paying. Exactly. And then you can add all the bells and whistles later. That's the nice part about software is you can always add more stuff later if you feel like it. And when you become one of the top four companies in the world, you could make a German version and a Swahili <laughs> version and, a, you know, right? And we we even had people at like offering to translate it for free, and we were like, no. But that's us, that's not the that's not exactly. the issue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I'm with you exactly. There. So maybe maybe something like um, that's like when it comes to scope. If you develop something, try to actually be honest to yourself. Try to talk to people. Uh, maybe figure out what is the minimum they would be willing to pay for, and don't just like don't don't give up immediately don't just think because you get some negative feedback and there will always be people who are like i would start paying if this feature is in there and i sometimes confront people who write uh, stuff like that and i'm like you're praising a very uh, an email full of praises where they're like i love portmaster this and that and the the basic product is free they're using the free version you, yeah okay exactly and then if you would only add this feature i would start paying and i'm like mate no you, my, no, you yeah. wouldn't no, you wouldn't. No, no. Maybe that person would, but I, there I, would I, be so many other people who wouldn't. And I'm like, um, cool, cool th- suggestion. Thank you. Uh, I, I will. We will consider it. 
Um, and if you already praise us that much, um, two things, either consider sharing to other people, because that's of course important as well. It's advertisement. And the other thing is just like, we have a three euro tier for exactly that. Like people who just enjoy the, the, the product itself and who would, um, give us some money. And it's like three euros per month for product support or like 30, exactly almost like that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, one of the things that is often true for entrepreneurs is that before they get to the thing that they consider successful, either self-sustaining or profitable or the large company that they end up with, um, they have misstarts. They have misfires. They, they stagger and stutter on their way there. They try two or three. I think the average was seven for um, uh, the people who build, you know, the, the Fortune 400 companies or whatever. Um, uh, I, I, I wonder, have any of you had missteps that you thought were going to end in collapse? Was there, was there uh, a venture you tried that you had to stop at some point? I'll go ahead and start with Matt again. Uh, I, when I started my company, I was hungry. I was going to do whatever it was going to take to make it be successful. Now, that being said, I, I knew also that I needed money. I, I needed cash flow. I needed money coming in. So I how could, much runway did you have? How much, how much padding? How many months? How many months? <laughs> I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I started my company and I had maybe $4,000 in the bank. And <laughs> so that's that, like, so that's like eight months in Kentucky for, for getting a house and food, you know, because you get possum, and, possum's cheap, right? <laughs> Raccoon. <laughs> um, but I also knew that I, I, I needed to get my name out. And so I needed to start advertising. I needed to start, you know, e- even though my overhead costs are super duper low, because it's essentially just me and a, and a laptop or a computer. I also had cell phone b- bills, but I also needed to, um, I need to get my name out, you know, because you need to get your name out beyond just your family and your friends. That's the, the, the linchpin to being a successful business. And so I had to start advertising. And so I bought radio ads, um, that advertised my company. I got, uh, uh, I did a mailing, a direct mailing to like, uh, 2000 small businesses in the area. And, and so that depleted my money really quickly. And so I needed to get something going. So what I did was I created a uh, a, a sub entity of network therapists and was called Dr. Digital. And Dr. Digital was geared towards the home computer user that de- that needed tech support. So it was kind of like a geek squad type thing, but, but I would come to your house and I would fix your, your computer or fix your internet or whatever it was. So How the network therapist. Porn viruses did you see, man? Ooh, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I've seen plenty, <laughs> but, um, so I started up Dr. Digital as kind of a sub, sub, subsidiary, uh, whereas Network Therapist just focused on business to business type stuff, but just because I needed the money, I needed the cash flow. And um, that got really tiresome really quickly. I believe. But it kickstarted the company. And, and I, I was able to take the money that that brought in and then pour it back into Network Therapist. And so eventually it, it, it led. Um, to where I, I eventually dropped Dr. Digital altogether. I think Dr. Digital stuck around. I even had a logo, had its own website and all this kind of stuff. But I think Dr. Digital stuck around for uh, two or three years. And then I stopped using it because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm finally to where I'm comfortable and I and just doing business to business and not dealing with the, the home user, the, the, the geek squad type, uh, type customers, which is not to say that here I am, you know, 
sitting in front of you that I don't still go to people's homes and usually like CEOs homes or presidents of a company. And, you know, they're like, oh, can you come fix this for me or something like that? Yeah, but I you still literally you literally had to take a second job. <laughs> you had to start a second business to to support right. your your to support them first. Yeah. 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 The one that I knew actually I actually wanted to do. Yeah, I had to eat some, you know, eat a shit sandwich and <laughs> work with uh, the general public for a few years so I could get it going. So from that perspective, it wasn't really a failure. It, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. But yeah, I had to I, I had to do something to get uh, to get the business up and running. It was bootstrapping. That's that's yeah. pretty impressive. All right, Joey. <clears throat> yeah, so my story is a little different. My 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 entrepreneurship was not like, you know, Matthew taking the brave leap into the void and and saying, I can do this, let's go. My, mine was more of, COVID's here, we're letting you go. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that. but <laughs> No, no, I, I can laugh at it now. You know, at the time, yeah. But but keep in mind where where uh, my history of, of almost 22 years in, in corp- corporate America, I had gone through several layoffs, and I've gone through three corporate massive acquisitions. So nobody's safe there's no job there's no magic you know whatever that says oh if i have this corporate job i'm safe no you're not it's a it's a it's a um what, what's the false word I'm sense of for? security thank you it's a false sense of security so, i think there's a lot of people at apple microsoft twitter uh google uh, that, yeah. google that will all agree with you right now today yeah yeah. Yeah, and and I I remember when my CEO who was just amazing during that COVID transition and she sat me down and she said, "Look, here's your runway. I'm, you know, I'm going to give you I think it was 3 months." That's she nice. Said, during, it well, was 20, 22 years is a long time, but 3 months is nice. Well, no, no, not 22 years with one company. I'd been with that organization about three and a half years. Okay. Oh, wow. And she said, 3 months is really generous. Well, and, and I still had to do my job, but she wasn't basically terminating me on that day. She's like, look, we can afford you until this time is what we've budgeted, right? So there's my runway. And I remember I left and I called, uh, I called several people. Hey, you know, uh, who's hiring? Who's hiring? And Matt was one of my calls. Hey, this is what's going on. And I think, Matt, it was the very next day you said, have you taken another job yet? And I said, no. And he said, meet me for lunch. Can, can you meet for lunch? And I was, yeah, I can meet you for lunch. And so we met for lunch and he, he was the one that really said, you can do this. There is enough work out there for you to go out on your own and I will help you do this. Misery loves company. This is like parents telling you to have kids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Little did I know what I was getting into, right? So, so let me ask you this. Did Matt offer you one of his noisy clients? And say, <laughs> here, here, start with this. Cut your teeth. <laughs> Here's a sandwich. <laughs> no, no, but, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Joey actually, he, his transition to starting his own business was so fortuitous because I had a, an opportunity with a major client of mine that they wanted for me to take them on. They were too big for me to take on by myself, but if I had help, I would be able to take them on. Joey called me up and says, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm being let go because of COVID and all this stuff. And I said, okay, if you want to hang your shingle and be a consultant, I'm not going to hire you. I'm not going to have you as an employee, but if you want to start your own company, I will bring you on as a subcontractor with this other customer of mine. 
and I will get you started right. I mean, you won't have to do any of the the eating shit sandwiches like I did and starting Dr. Digital and doing all the homework and stuff like that. I will hand you clients on a silver platter if you do this. And so the, the, the answer or the message to all of our wannabe business owners is be friends with Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt. Matt kept bread on the table. Matt kept bread on the table, which was amazing. And and he got to a point where he's like, just stop thanking me. Would you just stop? Stop it. I hope <laughs> I hope when you guys go out for Indian food for lunch, he never pays, right? <laughs> okay. Not That's, very often. <laughs> not not very often at all. No, but here's what I would encourage anyone that's on that cusp, right? And Matt and I know a guy. There's a guy that is on the cusp, and he has an opportunity to make an amazing business on his own, right? But but he he still has that corporate job, and Matt and I have told him, dude, just take that leap. Take that leap. The work is there, especially now. I mean, we're in a day and age where there's so many job opportunities, right? But um, I, I would tell anybody that's on the verge of, of thinking, you know what? I think there's something there. I can do this. Do it. Take that leap because I should have done this five years ago, if not longer. Awesome. That, that I love that story. Matt, you wanted to add something there. I was, well, I was just going to say the best, there, there's an old joke, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, the, the <laughs> second best, but the second best time to plant a tree is now. I always say this, the best time to start a company is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Just do it. I like that a lot. That's really good. I'm surprised, Matt. You're like smart today. <laughs> I've got a question. I've got a question. I, I, I wanted to hear Rafty's thing. And then oh, I sorry, gonna, Rafty. Yeah, go ahead. And, and then I was going to jump back into your thing for another question, but I'll come to you um, first. I'll let you go before mine. Rafty, go ahead. Did you have any faltering missteps? Did you start a business you didn't want? No, I did not start a business. I did not want, but missteps a lot. Like I would say, like if I would start saving over again, we would be so much like smarter with how we spend money. And as I already said, like with knowing what an MVP is, actually knowing what to look for in employees, you know, it's very, very different. And um, yeah, it, it it has been. I don't know, but we have been very, very gifted. Like it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, we don't have any outside investors because it was like at the beginning, like I own 30% of the company. Um, my two other co-founders are own 30 and 40 respectively. And so, uh, yeah, we, I have two people sitting in the board with me. Um, so I have two bosses sort of, but I'm one of them as well. Um, so it's, it's of course very interesting and the dynamics there are also maybe the, maybe an, and sort of like a piece of advice I can give everybody. Uh, one of our first hires was my brother. I would caution everybody to. Bad idea. I can tell you right away. That's family. a bad idea. I know. Spouses, I know it worked. Brothers, nephews. It worked, it worked for the years. But uh, we only like he left the company like this month and it was a very like interesting time till then. And um, we can talk so much better now again, like about like <laughs> even about saving, you know, um, but before that it was always and, and I could not talk to basically anyone in my family about anything you know because eventually somebody would uh, slip something and then he would know as well and it's not for him to know 
uh, and and then it would make the round. And so um, and I I was I was so not gonna be a leak for anything. Um, and so yeah, I would caution everyone to work with like family. And I know there are people who are like starting a company with their spouse. Maybe that works. I cannot tell you. My mom has asked me to hire my wife a couple of times, and I'm like, no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> I, good, I'm, good. I'm, and, and, I'm a loving and it's husband. Funny. It's funny. I'm a loving a lot husband, of, but I'm a very like uh, harsh boss. I'd say <laughs> a lot of workers, a lot of employees chafe under corporate policies where they have anti nepotism and and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And really, but there's a reason for those policies. Those policies aren't just for your employer to be an asshole to you. The the policies are there because in the past it's been demonstrated time and time again. There's a reason for the policy. Okay. Now we're bumping up against an hour. I want to keep going. And I, I know Joey's got a question. I got two questions. Are y'all comfortable continuing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Joey, go ahead. Ask yours. Well, for Matt, I know, I know the answer to Rofty. I think you've answered this, but Ben, and, and for anyone out there, I had to fire a client. And I had never had to, I've never had to do that before. And I, I, th I think that that's important to talk about because even as a business owner where you see that this person is providing revenue um, while they are a possibly good customer from a standpoint of services and they're, 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 they're um, constantly either purchasing or, or calling on, but they are not the, the relationship is not cohesive as we talked about earlier they're they're not seeing the value they see you as a commodity therefore you're treated as a commodity um and and i'm not talking about you know i i don't have to like somebody to work with them i learned that early on in my career you know we don't have to completely get along but let's respect each other right um and i think that's just common human decency but yeah i i i realized early on um that, that it wasn't going to work. And I fired the client. And I remember I called Matt, I was out in my truck and I said, Hey, have you ever done this? And he was like, yeah, did you just, did you just do it? I'm like, yes. And he's like, calm down, calm down. But yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about that. Yeah. It can get really emotional whenever you, you have to sever a business relationship with, with somebody, especially a client. And, and yeah, I've done it multiple times. And Joey was around for my biggest one. That was last year or year before. No, yeah. it, it was a year before. It was, it was uh, yep. 2021. I had a, a client that accounted for a, a good percentage of my income, but it had become that type of a situation. And I had let it get emotional for me because I felt like I was being, you know, basically not listened to. And they had brought in somebody else who didn't know what they were doing, who was bossing me around. And so finally I said, all right, I got to, I got in this relationship. And it was, it, it was hard. It was, uh, it, it, it was, it was tough because I didn't want to let them go because I actually liked some people there, but I just didn't like this one person who was being assigned to be my liaison. What are you laughing at, Ben? No, I just, I, I, I think the 1950s pop music said it best. Breaking up is hard to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Cause it's, it, it's almost like a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship because, and, and Joey and I, we, we have these personal relationships with our clients. The part of the reason that they see value in us and they like us is because we are personable people. We're not the, 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 the typical stereotypical, um, uh, tech guys who, yes, who just are. don't have any personality. Yeah. <laughs> Just scream, move. <laughs> but we actually understand business and we actually want to, you know, we, we, we put ourselves into our work. 
And so it, it does become personal on, on at some point uh, with some of these clients, especially again, as you build relationships over years. Yep. Yeah. Rafti, have you ever had to fire a client? I mean, I don't think you're in that position. You just send their money back, click, click, click. They don't exist anymore, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> in in my current business, I'm I'm that way. Um, uh, I didn't answer the previous question, but I have crashed and burned several businesses in the past, uh, and in one of them, I I had to fire a customer, um, and it it that was the ending of the business and it was absolutely essential. And, um, um, they were very upset. And I pointed out in the contract where I said, you weren't doing what you said you were going to do. Therefore I am not stuck doing what I, uh, was going to do. So yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Um, okay. I had two now, other questions. Well, Ben, you, I mean, you, you, you kind of glossed over, you buried the lead there. So you, you, you crashed and burned a couple of other businesses. Did you learn anything from, from your experience? Evidently not. I'm trying it again. <laughs> but are you making changes to your current, to, to, to your new venture? Based the, upon the, the, the problem learned? is, the problem is if you've been married seven times, problem ain't the ones you've been marrying. <laughs> If you walk down the street and you see an asshole, then you saw an asshole. If you walk down the street and everybody sees an asshole, then you're the asshole. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right. I wanna I wanna go back to the Matt Joey uh springboard thing. Um, where you knew Joey, you knew he could do it, and you were willing to bring him in as a subcontractor. Mm -hmm. And you encourage other people to do this and, and step forth. Have you You've been approached by others who've asked for the same accommodation. And are you ever concerned or do you ever have in the back of your mind this risk of promoting a bad seed where someone yeah. asks you to take part, but you're not comfortable having them represent your goodwill? Joey, you want to do it right And I'll, I'll speak real quick and because I, I, I know Matt probably wants to add to this. I think the reason why it worked between Matt and I is we had 20 years prior to this. We had known each other for easily 20 years as in a, on a professional level, working in different avenues of technology, working in, in the Microsoft uh, users group together. And so we had history. I knew that I knew that, or Matt knew that I was competent. I knew that Matt was competent and, and more importantly, trustworthy. And I think that's why it worked. So to answer your question, Ben, no, I would be extremely reluctant if someone said, hey, would you bring me on as a sub? And I didn't know them. And I absolutely not. I'm going to be very honest with you because the nature of our business, we hold the keys and so much information for our clients. Yeah. It's critical. And it's I'm not going to jeopardize that. Yeah. It's yeah. too Matt, intimate. Correct. Matt, same, same answer. Yeah. 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 And and I, I can even expand that out to like, I've been uh, asked to have internships and bring on interns in my business. Um, and I did it one summer, uh, probably about 10 years ago or so. I brought in a college kid who was, who was really, really interested in, in, in this type of work. And I said, okay, I'll bring you in. And um, it did not work out. It was terrible. <laughs> and and for, for a lot of the reasons that Joey said, most, most of which centered around, I can't give you the admin passwords. I can't give you access to this stuff. I, and I can't send you out alone to these clients because they don't know you. You're not me and you can't do the work. 
So yeah, there's. Uh, a, a, so a it's big... not going to be fruitful for either of you. You know, they're going to end right. up being disappointed that they're just getting coffee, and you're disappointed that you've got this puppy running around that doesn't serve any right. function. Right. Um, um, okay. So Rafti, the the question is, if somebody wants to take part in what you're doing, and they they might even demonstrate an aptitude for it, are you still reluctant to bring them in if you're not a hundred percent comfortable about their attitude, their personality, their history, because they may misrepresent you or your company in some fashion? And I think you kind of answered that with. With the whole brother employee and the whole intern problem that you had, and go ahead. Like tell we Safing already had two interns, um, and we get a lot of applications, like a lot. We have it on our homepage that we're hiring, and this is partially true. Uh, there is no one position open, but if somebody like fits, we will give them a shot. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Of the two interns, we did not hire any of them. Like, um, it was interesting. We had like, I don't know, like one of them was a friend of one of ours beforehand. That both of them. That's how they came in. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. I'd say like okay. not knowing the per the people you you hire is, is makes it easier on my end. I would say. Um, but I understand like on our perspective, we have it very locked down and we can give them like not bring the coffee, but like we have programming jobs and everything gets reviewed before it gets pushed and everything. So for us, I think it's maybe the, it's a little bit easier to do, but my experience has been sort of bad. Just a yes or no on the follow-up to this, uh, it, um, have you ever been asked to give a recommendation for someone and you were reluctant to do so either for them to get follow on work or for applying for something or Joey? So yeah, this happened to me about six months ago. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a written, um, you know, letter of reference, but a company called me and said, this person has, you know, listed you as a, as a reference and there's only two questions that I'll answer if anyone ever calls me for a reference. And there are only two questions that I'll ask if anyone ever asks me. Number one, is the candidate eligible for rehire? And number two, would you rehire them? And those two answers right there, that question and answer. Tell you everything tell you person, need to know. It's all you need to know. Yeah. So Matt. that's how I answer those two questions. Matt? I don't give references very often <laughs> or, or letters of recommendation or anything like that. I don't know if that means that nobody likes me or. Yes, yes that's what it means. <laughs> Rafti, how about you? You ever been in that position? No, not, not, so not far. yet. It's how about, how about you, Ben? How about you with all your students? Um, Good question. Yeah. With the Did a student ever ask you? Endorsements aren't difficult references okay. are more tricky and i usually try to decline politely by saying i honestly don't know you that well i'd feel uncomfortable giving you that reference um, good. but colleagues it's harder because i've seen some that i'm just i'm it's not not where i want it not where i want to put my name behind and that gets tricky because you don't want to be a dick either but yeah uh okay so the the final question i had and i think rafti touched on this a little bit is luck 
a big part of succeeding in your own business. Matt? <laughs> well, there's the old trope. The harder I work, the luckier I get. You know, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's it, it is directly proportional. Yeah, there's there, there's an element of luck, and you know, Joey kind of touched on mentors and stuff like that, and 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 having good people in your pocket. I think that that comes into a a big part of of, of starting up a company. For for years, I always said my best two friends when I started my company up were my accountant and my attorney. Because they held my hand through a lot of the, you know, getting, they, they, they couldn't do the technical stuff, they couldn't do the work, but they helped me navigate the world of business and got my, got my feet wet. So um, I was lucky to have both of them and, you know, lucky to have uh, my own mentor. My, my dad uh, gave me a lot of tips and a lot of help and getting my business started. So from that perspective, yeah, luck comes into play as long as you're willing to put in the work to to make the luck work for you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I like that. Joey. I don't believe in luck, but I'll, I'll answer the question. Um, I, I think Matt, you know, Matt, Matt said it best. I have seen that the harder that I work and the more diligence that I put into the care of the client, the word is getting spread. Right. And, and, That's not and luck. it's a, that's what I mean. I don't believe in luck. Okay. I, I, I think someone wins, wins the lottery. There is luck out there. I just don't know if it could be quantified. <laughs> Rafti, what do you feel about luck? Is that a fact? Well, feel... Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think like if like so many things align for me that I was able to do this and like that I was like, yeah, no, in a in a lucky position, like, like with what my personal burn rate was at that point, and um, how much money I had, um, not too much, but like with low burn rate and stuff like that, and 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 we talked about this. I I became a parent quite recently, but we were like I could have been like I was married already, like. But you would have been a lot know. more reluctant to go start your own business if that exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. So I. I I like I love my son, but I, I'm sort of <laughs> lucky that he only came into my life at this point. You know, uh, maybe I would have made some decisions differently, like two, three years ago. You know, if I would have had a kid to look after uh, and stuff like that. So I uh, s stuff like this, and and sometimes it's just like um, what money comes in. You know, like especially for us, we our like. <laughs> it's so indirect and this is so so interesting when talking to people like uh, a good friend of mine is a nurse and i tell him like saving could stop like i could fire everybody and we would still make money like people would download portmaster and would pay for the service and and my burn rate would be like negligible uh, like nobody i would have to pay anybody and he's like wait what but why do you still like pay for people and i'm like because i like doing what i'm doing i like to invest <laughs> i like to build stuff and so i'm like and and this is sort of like when i'm saying what i'm saying about luck um is like i ha i'm very lucky with the people i hired i'm very lucky with the people that were available that approached us and stuff uh, we had two employees move to austria for this job you know um from different countries uh, um did not speak i think you, like, I think you were German lucky with your co-founders with your friends the, the fact that you had that now now i do yeah. agree with joey and matt to a certain extent you make a lot of your own luck by recognizing an opportunity and capitalizing on it but Absolutely. 
but those opportunities are sometimes quasi random that there is sometimes a contract that falls in out of the sky or something where you leap at it where somebody else would not have. Um, all right. Now, Rafti, you have the final question for today. Um, <laughs> and, and do you mind yeah, if I some... paraphrase it? Sure. Um, Go ahead. In a previous episode, we talked about what it takes to be in the IT community. Uh, and should you start with help desk and tech support and work your way up into being a security professional? Do you all feel that those same qualities can reasonably or often or frequently transition into being the same type of person who's going to enjoy running their own company and being their own boss? Matt. No, it's two completely different skill sets. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. if you don't have a mind for business, uh, you got to have be able to market. You've got to be able to handle money. You've got to be able to talk to people. There's so many skills to, to running a business. Now, that's not to say that it's impossible to do. Obviously, it's very possible. And I encourage lots of people to start businesses if they if they have that inclination. But no, being a techie, being a nerd, being an IT guy, n no, it doesn't mean you understand business at all. And and especially not if you if, if, if uh, running your own business that that you know you're staking your future on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it can all be learned. That's the good thing about it. Is you know anybody with with um, uh, decent intelligence can figure out how to run a business. That part, it's, it's just that that's not the fun part, you know, because obviously as, as geeks and techie people, we want to do the stuff that's, that's, uh, you know, sitting in front of a computer or plugging in cables or, you know, uh, recoding something. Unfortunately, when you run a business though, that's not what you do all the time. So, yeah. I'm with you, Joey. I'm with Matt hundred percent. I don't think I could top really that. I agree. I agree with that. Rafty. I wanted like basically what maybe got lost there a little bit is I wanted to sort of like we said that for an IT biz like to get into IT you need to like actually enjoy tinkering and what I what my sort of the, the gist of my question was is like what is it that like like the tinkering that would enable you to have fun running a business and and doing this on your own because as Matt as you led with like you're replacing one boss with 300 why are you doing it like what <laughs> what what makes you do it or like and you said like you you are at it again like what what <laughs> like so what Rafi, in this like so Rafi, answer the question for yourself <laughs> what is it about running safing that makes it fun for you purpose it's just like purpose and make actually having having the ability to make a change, you know, like I don't. Uh, and also, I think like leading people to actually do purposeful work. I think this is also something that I like um, because like when I worked earlier in a company, um, maybe that's just a little bit now a sidetrack, but just to get that story out, because we talked about like um, uh, bad customers. Um, we got asked to sort of like do um, a knowledge transfer to South Korea. And I told my boss, like, if you like, they would be willing to pay like tons of money. If you pay me, like, just like double my usual salary for two months, because that's how long this would pay, uh, take. Like, I go to South Korea. At this point, I was not married and stuff. I'm like, I will do this. Like, I have the knowledge, I have the skills and everything. I can do this. Like, just just tell them how much it is and pay me what I want, you know? And he still said no. And so like enabling people like me basically who want to do that stuff to sort of like help them and 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 get to those 
places. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing, like enabling people and see i'm far more cynical i (laughs) you know know what the fun part of running a business is cashing the the checks checks. (laughs) yeah yeah, you can go on and on about purpose and and you know finding meaning in life and and you know doing doing good work and making people happy and all that kind of stuff yeah i've been doing this way too long i don't care about any of that stuff anymore i I, all i care about is is what my bank account and how many zeros are in it Or you're like it's like being a teacher who's like doing teaching for like the holidays and like all the vacation they're having. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, mean, you know, I will I will say this. I think that is a purpose too. I think money is a great metric of success. It's a great way to gauge how well you're doing and how well you're servicing your clients and fulfilling those relationships that both you and Joey have said are truly intimate and personal, uh, even yeah. though they are transactional. Uh, and I agree with that too. I, I I love getting those emails from students saying, "I used your material and I passed the exam. Thank you. I don't think I could have done it without your stuff." That's great. I also like seeing the deposits from Stripe every other day and and <laughs> and and determining whether they really truly believe that my stuff was valuable or not. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I think that is a very good way to determine whether you're serving people whether you're helping someone the the money is a good way of doing that um uh, i'm gonna quote uh, paul newman from the color of money um money one is twice as sweet as money earned <laughs> when you make the sale when you accomplish the thing when you finish the contract there is something inherently good and fulfilling and affirming about getting that check and it's not just having the money. It's not just what the money will buy. It is your self-worth. So I, I'm 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 okay with that, but I'm a capitalist. Um, <laughs> so right. then was it the money, just to follow this up, like um, Matt, you said, was it at the, it, now you're doing it for the money, but was it when you had those four, $4,000, what was it that made you like start, start off? I was hungry. I was eating ramen noodles. <laughs> You know, and 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 not to get it into too too big of a sidetrack, but when I started my company, the dot com bubble had just burst. I had just had a son with a woman that I wasn't married to. Um, I uh, had lost my job uh, because my contract wasn't extended at the uh, uh, state government that I was working for. It was the worst luck that I could have ever had. And I had no other choice but to do this at the time. So, and and I, I am grossly over, oversimplifying it by saying I only I only do it for money. Obviously, I get a lot out of it. Um, I do find the work very fulfilling. I love working with Joey. I love working with my clients. I love uh, you know, j- j- you know, still figuring stuff out and tinkering, like you said, and all that kind of stuff. But by and large. If someone wrote me a big enough check, I would retire right now and never look back <laughs> and think about it again. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 that cynicism has crept in over the years and and just getting tired of uh, the, the the grind and the job and the stuff like that. I still love it. I still wouldn't want to do anything else. And I've told Joey many times, I'm effectively unemployable at this point. I would never be able to work for anybody else. I could never go back to the corporate world. I could never sit in a cubicle. And and when Joey and I have long-term engagements at clients, we'll some, sometimes be on site at a client for, say, a half a day or, or or most of a day. And by about two hours in, both of us are looking at each other going, we got to get out of here. We can't be sitting here. We're just itching to get back on the road or go do something else. Meetings are the worst. Even if they're billable, meetings fucking suck. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Maybe to to add to this, I agree. Like five years in as well. Like I'm unemployable at that point as well. But like I did not, I could not do it for the money. I took, I, I got no money out of saving for the first three years. Like, and this is part of luck as well. Yeah, 30. yeah. Let's come back in 22 years and find out what you're saying. About 15 years when you've yeah. got three or four kids, and, yeah. uh-huh. and you're absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I'm just saying I could not have done it for the money because I was not taking any money out for the first three years. Uh, but Joey, basically, would you say like you're now three years into it, or like two or three, like That's and two and, two you, and a half? Yeah. Would you say you're you're still employable? Could you go back? That's a great question. And look at Matt smiling right now. He's like, "Ooh, I want to hear this one." <laughs> Um, am I employable? Probably not because, <laughs> because I've seen behind the wizard's curtain, mm-hmm. I've seen behind the curtain, so to speak. And even if they were to pay me an obscene amount of money, no, because quality of life right now for me is so great. Um, you know, yes, we're cynical and Matt and I joke and we complain about this, that, but I love what I do. I love the clients that I work with and it's on my terms. Um, and no, to, to be back in corporate, I, I don't think I could do it. And on a random cool. Friday, you can fuck off for an hour and a half and record a podcast if you feel like <laughs> doing it. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. We got uh, CPE I'll, for two hours now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, the increments are 15. You got to do point. That's point right. Five. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I thank you both. Uh, thank all of you for all of this. This was amazing. And I think we could talk on this subject for like three more hours easily. Great. But uh, you did not say why you went at it again and again, like Ben, just was it all like, what, why did you, was it the passion of pe- of teaching? Oh, no, 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 the, no, no, <laughs> no. The other companies had nothing to do with teaching at all. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. One was a toy company. One was a bakery in Honduras. So yeah, no, I, I uh, another one was a website, but I would, I'd be willing to that's take an hour just to unpack there. But, uh, okay. but I, think it ha- I think it has to do with expounding on opportunities again, when the opportunity <laughs> arises, you know, you jump at it. And I wanted to close with that, talking about the luck. One of the things I forgot to mention is I had the great good luck to have the father that I have. Um, Matt mentioned mentors. Um, my father was a businessman his whole life and used to take me to work every, you know, occasionally a few times a year, uh, skip school and go with him and go on sales runs and that kind of thing. And he taught me some really fundamental stuff that really stuck years and years later um, that I hope translates to how I conduct my business, such as good neighbors is good business where, you know, yeah. um, uh, take yes for an answer. Uh, when the client agrees, shut the fuck up and get out of the room as fast as Be possible. Be quiet and walk away. That's right. <laughs> the, the only thing you can do afterwards is screw the deal. You yeah. don't stay there. So, so I think that is part of the opportunity that I was able to capitalize on. And, and that's the sort of luck that not everybody has. Um, and, and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, all right, but yes, let's 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 talk about more of this later on. Especially if people like hearing this topic, I think there are a lot of people considering doing their own work. Uh, work from home has shown everyone that we can do it without going into a corporate hive and sitting in a cubicle. So um, yep. it's viable. Thank you, gentlemen. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. Catch us again next week for another episode. Of- oh.
wait, I got to add just one more thing. By the time this comes out, we will hopefully have moved into public release beta for WANA practice. So if you're interested in yeah. practice questions for your certification exams, go to wannapractice.com. Uh, until next week, I'm Ben Maliso, and catch us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. And that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. <laughs>